Well, hello, everybody. It's June 5th, and this is Rich Poland. And this is Stacey Ham. And this is your weekly Ticket to Rider podcast. And uh, Stacey Ham, what a great week for, uh, for us golf fans, especially, boy, yesterday, being able to watch uh, the Memorial Tournament, which is always fantastic, an elevated event. And then uh, what I, I think is going to be a historic debut on the LPGA Tour, right? I think so. I think Roseanne might win everything out there. I mean, she looks good. Wow, she was good yesterday. I mean, she wasn't that good. She shot seventy four, but she was good in the playoffs. She really was. Well, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about her more lately. But I I thought it was very interesting that uh, we talked last week on this show about the Solheim Cup, and uh, the broadcasters were talking about the Solheim Cup and how yeah they really were talking about it. So I, I think. In the world of women's golf, the Solheim Cup is just as important, maybe as the Ryder Cup is in men's golf, and that's fantastic. And it's in Spain yeah, this year. Yeah, Spain. Yeah. Um, Where are they playing? Balderrama or no? I, I don't. I don't know, but I, I know it's in oh, Spain. Okay. Well, yeah, anyway. Wow. Well, anyway, um, let's see. This weekend, uh, I went. We were supposed to have dinner with with some friends of ours, but our friend Dave Conrad just had a child, so uh, yeah. that fell through and I went and saw uh Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher and his high flying birds. Uh which, wow. well, you know what? I you know why I like the show. So uh I don't like going to shows and getting out at like eleven thirty and having to drive. This was up at, at the Clark County uh Vancouver Washington Amphitheater. And it's a good twenty five minute drive back to yeah. downtown Portland. So this was a co-headlining tour between Noel Gallagher and Garbage. Garbage, a good band, nothing against Garbage, but I didn't really care if I saw Garbage or not. And uh, Noel Gallagher went on first, which meant he was oh, finished. Perfect. He was finished around 930, which meant I'd go home. So you got to put the garbage out early? I took the garbage out <laughs> early. So uh, that was, that was uh, the excitement of my weekend. Uh, well, let me ask you this, Rich. Who? Uh, no, I mean, I don't know no Gallagher. I probably know some songs. Who shows up at those? I mean, tell me, take me through the age. What's the age range there? So, no. you know, Oasis. You know, Noel Gallagher was. Oh, he was an okay. So, Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher, for the for those who aren't aware, are the creative forces behind Oasis. So, Noel Gallagher, who was not as good looking as his brother Liam, and probably not as didn't have quite as good of a voice. He wrote all the songs. He, you know, he's lead guitar oh. and wrote the songs. And Liam Gallagher was the front man. So, and okay. but they were always fighting, and uh, eventually the band broke up. Uh, so Oasis is no more. Noel Gallagher formed Noel Gallagher and his High Flying Birds, and Liam Gallagher formed BDI, who are both good bands. So anyway, th these bands, uh, Oasis and Blur. Uh, were the headliners in the Britpop movement in the mid-90s. So I think you can understand that probably most of the people at this concert were people who were music fans in the mid-90s. So I think you had like a 40 to 60-year-old range of people there. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And as I said, got out early. And, and, garbage, is in, and garbage is in the same kind of era. They're, you know, a oh. 90s, 90s, 2000s band. So, uh, 
and it was good. Uh, you know, sold out. No, it was not sold out. In fact, they they closed off the lawn, and they just had you know the, the Clark County Amphitheater is the biggest venue, biggest outdoor venue here in Portland. They have a, have a large lawn and then a lot of seating as well. But they, it was just the seating. They had closed oh, off. Oh, nice. They closed off the lawn, so yeah, the traffic wasn't 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 that bad. Yeah, that's great. Now, last week, last week we heard that you were trying to play a golf match in a tournament against somebody who was who was dodging you, and so yeah, the guy it's weird. The guy looked me up on LinkedIn, and you know he's like, we're supposed to play a couple matches, and he can't. His wife has to keep the kids, and then this weekend he said he had a family member death, so he goes, I might have to concede the match. So. I think he's going to have to concede. If we didn't get it done by June 5th, which is today, he has to concede the match. So. All right. On to the what? What? Finals? On to the second round. On to the second I, I'm on to the second round now. I didn't do any work. Yeah. All right. You're going you're gonna to have to play in any live golfers in this event? Yeah. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, who I think made the uh, – the Carlos, I think Carlos Ortiz is going to be the one. He made it, right? I think he, I thought, he was in a I th- playoff. I thought, I thought it was Sebastian Munoz who made, who made it. But maybe Carlos Ortiz, too. Well, Car- I saw Carlos Ortiz. He was just playing uh, to get into the U.S. Open, and he—I think he made it. Oh, okay, it's U.S. It's yeah, U.S. Open qualifier day. They call this the longest day in golf because there's there's day. two round two round uh, 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 plans all over the world. There's one in Japan, one in London, one in Canada, and then all yeah. over all over the U.S. And depending on how many people are there. A uh, certain number of spots. Like I know, like the biggest one is Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. They have eleven spots. Eleven spots up in Columbus, Ohio. I'll I'll give you an idea where they were held. Lakewood, Washington, which is the Tacoma Country Club, not too far away. They had one at the uh, looks like they had one at the at uh, the Hillcrest Country Club in uh, Los Angeles. They had one in Toronto, like you said. They had one in Columbus, Ohio, the Lakes Course and the Brookside Course. They had Springfield, Ohio, the Springfield Country Club, uh, Durham, North Carolina, Old Chatham Golf Club, uh, Hawks Ridge Golf Club in Georgia, uh, Boynton uh, Beach, Florida. They had one there. Rockville, Maryland, Woodmont. You know that club, oh, Rockville? Yeah. Wood- Woodmont's a great club. And then they had one at uh, New Jer- in Summit, New Jersey, Canoe Brook uh, Country Club. Yeah, so those were the places. But well, I, was, I took some notes. I was looking. There was one that was really good. So the one at uh, Columbus, I think you're right, right there, 11 qualifying spots. Uh, and look, the uh, Olin Brown Jr. won, Eric Thompson second, Eric Cole third. Then you had a l- bunch of people. Stuart Sink made it. Luke List made it. A lot of guys. Patrick Rogers, I think he made it. Lucas Glover, yeah, made I, it. I was, yeah. I, I was looking at, you know, earlier today, because I, I was in surgery in the afternoon, but I was looking earlier in the day at, at what was going on at these tournaments. And some of the names are big time golfers, major championship winners, even, even U S open winners, Graham McDowell, who won the U S open famously uh, when Dustin Johnson collapsed uh, at Pebble beach, Graham McDowell was playing in a qualifier. Jeff Ogilvie, also a former U S open champion playing in a qualifier. You mentioned Stuart sink, who's an open championship yeah. winner. Uh, so I, I, you know, Kevin Strillman played. Uh, look at the guys who didn't make it, though. The guys that didn't make it, uh, Eric Van Ruyen didn't make it. He was 17th. And then Cameron Champ didn't make it. He was 17th as well in the Columbus, Ohio. Wow. Well, I know you get in the top 50 in the world got in because Ricky Fowler kind of edged his way back into the top 50 in the world. And he hasn't played in the wow. last couple majors, but he did not have to qualify. 
Uh, I remember last last year, Jason Day had to qualify for the U.S. Open. Uh, he's back in the top 50 in the world after after winning. Uh, and Ricky Fowler had to qualify for the U.S. Open. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad those guys, you know, don't have to qualify anymore. And in fact, Ricky, for a, for a brief time, had the lead on the weekend this this weekend, although he, he kind of faded yeah. down the faded down the stretch. But there's, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. What happened? Like, uh, so it, the, who else? From the live guys, uh, Carlos Ortiz is going for it. Did uh, all those other guys qualified? Sebastian, uh, Sebastian Munoz. Munoz. Yeah, Sebastian Munoz qualified. Sergio Garcia qualified. I think he was in the the London uh, bracket. Oh, he, really? He qualified. I saw. I, I didn't see the final the final stats, but I know that uh, Jason Kokrak didn't play very well. Uh, okay. Matthew Wolf withdrew. Uh, oh, he made it. Oh, he withdrew. He withdrew. Oh, There's some stuff going on. We can talk about Matthew Wolf later today. Today we're gonna. We're after we do our, you know, kind of normal stuff. We'll talk about the golf tournaments. We'll talk about the Ryder Cup standings, and then and then there's been a lot of live PGA Tour stuff going on. Not just discussion over the Ryder Cup, but uh, the 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 rhetoric is getting really nasty and it's good for podcasts, but I don't think it's good for golf when you have, you know, guys like Phil Mickelson, you know, uh, dissing on Rory McIlroy. Uh, it's, I don't think it's good for golf, but we'll talk, we'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so a uh, couple things, Stacy, uh, because you were, you were out at a James Beard award uh, winning uh uh, James did award-winning restaurant here in Portland last night, so they probably didn't have the Miami Denver game on. Ah, uh, no, I didn't see a I didn't see a TV in the place. It was, yeah, Miami Miami beat Denver. Everybody was after that first game. Everyone was like, Denver's going to sweep them. Denver in four. Denver in five. And Miami played great last night. They did. I mean, they had the lead at halftime, and then. You know, they had the, they were who had the lead at halftime. Miami had the lead, and Denver had, Miami had the lead, right? Denver came out not too good, and then Miami just ran away. Denver supposedly well, Denver, Denver was just flat. Denver played well. No, D Miami won the first quarter, but then Denver came back to be only down a couple after one quarter. Then Denver went ahead in the second quarter. Third quarter was kind of equal, and then Miami about uh, towards the beginning of the fourth quarter just went on like a seventeen nothing run or seventeen two run and took control of the game. Wow, oh, wow, wow. I think the amazing so it's a series thing, is what you're telling me. It's a series. And the amazing thing is, you know, for, for those of us like me who come from Washington, D.C., where our teams, the, the, the Bullets slash Wizards, were like a perennial seventh or eighth seed. And, and the Capitals oftentimes would, you know, be a, a one or a two seed. But, they, you know, until 2018, they never won anything. Uh, uh, Miami has the Heat or a seven seed. Missing two of their best four players, Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo, and they're in it for a championship. And the Florida Panthers were an eight seed. They beat the Boston Bruins, who were not just the one seed for the NHL, but had set the all-time record for most points in a regular season. And here's wow. you know Miami. I mean, what did Miami? They got good weather. They have beautiful women. They have good food. Why does Miami deserve all this all this grace? That's a good question. Oh, they have the Dolphins though, so that makes up. Well, and the, and the Marlins are, are no good either. And the Mar, yeah, those are two bad teams. Yeah. Now, now, but you're right. I mean, it's amazing. Now, did you see reports came out yesterday? We are in Portland, and and Stacy and I are 
well, I am a season ticket holder for the Blazers. You're pseudo season ticket holder for the Blazers. Uh, I got I to gotta message our, our friends. Uh, did you see the reports that came out that Phil Knight has been trying to buy the Blazers? So the Blazers she won't sell it, right? are owned by the trust of Paul Allen. Paul Allen was one of the founders of Microsoft uh, and, you know, was a big sports fan. And he bought, amongst other things, the Seattle uh, Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. And when he died of cancer, now like four or five years ago, these teams were held in trust and were supposed to be sold. And his, his sister, who controls the trust, uh, seems to be holding on to these teams. And when this report came out that, that Phil Knight offered $2, million, $2 billion for the Blazers a couple of years ago, people here are kind of up in arms because we'd love Phil Knight to own the Blazers. Yeah, uh, yeah. He'd be a good owner, but he's also 85 years old. And if Phil Knight dies, who's going to, you know, there, there aren't a lot of like Richie Riches around here. There's, it's not like. Well, Silicon his son Valley. will take over. And he's going in with a guy, the guy who owns the Dodgers. Any Dodgers, is it? He, one of the yeah he's going to i think it's one of the owners yeah yeah but anyway you know uh the the blazers are kind of stagnant right now because you know jody allen's not even a basketball fan she has no interest in you know in in running the team paul allen loved basketball uh so i think it would be a great thing if the nba stepped in and said hey you know it's this is enough sell the damn team i mean it's not she, why is she holding on to it i mean she doesn't the money isn't going to, it's just probably just going to go to her anyway. They're the trust or foundation one, but a foundation. I mean, I would assume it's going to go to charity, right? I don't know, but there was speculation that because she's the manager of the trust, that uh -huh. the manager of the trust is allowed to, to collect a salary 3% in, in the state of Washington, 3% of the value of the team. And oh, understand geez. that, 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 uh, the Seahawks, Washington just sold for six million. The Seahawks probably are worth seven, and wow. and the Blazers are probably at this point seeing that the Suns just sold for four million. The Blazers have got to be worth at least three, three and a half, not quite as big as wow. Phoenix. So anyway, that's uh, wow. So she's gonna walk away with like money. It's not like she needs or anything, right? She well, the speculation, you know, the speculation is that 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 she likes collecting the salary, and once she's out she's not going to collect the salary anymore i'm sure she's going to oh. have plenty of money but i you know i don't know i don't know oh, when the, when the, when the trust gets paid by the new owner i don't know where that money goes whether it goes yeah, to her yeah. or whether it goes other places but i, I bet he gave it away all the way to charity I, probably, right? he had a lot of he had a lot of pet projects like for instance uh my son sanders lives in seattle and he says that across the street from him is a property that that Paul Allen had a pet project to turn into an old time kind of movie theater, and wow. uh, it's just sitting there because as soon as he died, the funding got pulled. But the the land. Well, let me ask you this. So, so yeah. let me ask you this. So she gets a salary. She if they sell the team for billions, she'll get three percent of the sales of everything, right? No. And no, then she she, oh. she collects a salary every year. This is an annual every salary. year. She she can conceivably make $90 million a year just yeah. for, for being the caretaker for the teams. Okay. So wow. anyway, and it's widely speculated that Jeff Bezos is, is just, you know, primed to pounce when the Seahawks go on the market. Cause that's his, you know, his childhood team. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway. So before we get into the golf, so I, uh, 
this is Monday here in Portland, and I have deferred jury duty for two times. I'm, I'm a, you know, for those of you out there, I'm a, I'm a solo practice neurosurgeon, which means I don't have a partner. So I can't really, you know, it's hard for me to take time off. I can take time off if I, you know, if I take time off, I have to basically stop operating so I don't have anyone in the hospital. So this is a week that, that I did surgeries today, but those were outpatient surgeries. I don't have anything else planned except I have an emergency surgery, which I may do later in the week, assuming I get off of jury duty. So you said that you were on jury duty the last time was in California and you got off of it. I got to go. I got off of it. I got to get off well, of jury I, duty. You know, the first thing they did, I shouldn't probably say, first thing they did when I moved to Vancouver, they sent me a jury duty thing. And I said, I called the lady, I was like, ma'am, look, I just moved here. I can't go to jury duty. I'm working, I'm traveling. And they're like, okay, we'll get you out of it. And they got me out of it and never heard back from them again. So hopefully they don't come lock me up. It might, it might have to bail me out or something. I hope no one hears it. But. Well, have you, have you heard about this show on Amazon Prime called Jury Duty? So, no. Uh -uh. So I started watching this. I heard about it, I think, on a, on a podcast somewhere. So it's, it's kind of an office, like the office mockumentary, so of a jury trial, of the jury serving on a jury trial. But the twist is it's very funny. Uh, it's kind of a, a screwball trial. The twist is that everybody, like in the office, are actors uh, or Parks and Rec. They're actors except one guy. There's one guy who's the jury foreman who's not an actor and he's just kind of thrown in there and thinks it's real and just weird. So that's pretty good. And then the actor, James Marsden, uh, who's you know, been in X-Men and Westworld. He's been in tons of stuff, plays himself like, you know, an actor on jury duty, uh, you know, kind of a stereotypical self-centered, you know, actor, you know, basically playing himself. So it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, and I don't think I would have watched it if I wasn't on jury duty, but hopefully next week I'll be able to tell you I got off jury duty. Um, but anyway, I, all hope right. you get out of it. I hope I get off, get out of it too. So a uh, big week in the world of golf. Um, there was one of the best tournaments of the year, an elevated event, the Memorial Tournament uh, held at Jack Nicholas's course in Dublin, Ohio. There was the LPGA uh was it Mizuno's America's tournament? Is it called? Yeah, Mizuno, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what, it was at Liberty National, one of the one of yeah. uh, former course for the Presidents Cup and for right. L, and for uh, playoff events on the PGA Tour. And yep. uh, that tournament, there was a senior tour event. A, the DP Tour was in Germany for the Porsche Open. Yep. Uh, and, and Porsche is a better car than the field for the DP event. This, they were back to this kind is of, a, they were back this, to a mediocre field again, Stacey. Yeah, maybe it's this because is a who's who of nobody. I mean, I, I, I look through the top three players, and I tell you, Maximilian Kiefer and Marcel Thiem are the top players. And I, I tried to break down notables. There are no notables in this tournament except for my, Mac, Robert McIntyre finished way high fifth finger something. I remember Marcel Thiem is is the German guy with a ponytail and I remember yeah. he played pretty well for a little bit in the Olympics and everyone made a big deal of it that Marcel, Marcel Seam was playing for Germany, but he wasn't even on the DP tour at the time. He was on the, he had been relegated to the challenge tour and was yeah. still playing for Germany. So well, Maximilian Kiefer, I didn't realize he went to, or he went to university of Florida. Oh, okay. He, and he's another German, right? Maximilian Kiefer, Ma another German. Yeah. Well, I can't, I don't think you can be Maximilian. There, there, aren't, there aren't very many uh, Japanese Maximilians. 
No, there's not. But this guy, Tom McGibbon, McKibben, that one, he's Northern Ireland. Irishman, he played the same, grew up the same courses in Hollywood as Rory McIlroy. Yes, they played. McElroy. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad one of them played well on the weekend. Oh, you see what uh, Jack Nicholas told Rory after the round? We need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, I mean, his wedge game is awful. It was terrible. He hit so many good drives, and then he'd have a uh, hundred yards into the into the pin, and you know he would he, he was consistently going long, wasn't he? Yes, he must be. He's proven uh, Phil Mickelson right on this one. He maybe he needs to play less. Yeah, well, he's been he's been playing a lot. Well, let's. Uh, oh, so, so I got into it. I got into it. I thought it would be really funny. You know how you know how when this was the work day. This was the work day. You know, Memorial Tournament. Yeah. And I thought it would be really funny. So if you you know anyone who watches TV, work day, you know, has commercials. And their commercials uh, at, used to uh, star uh, Phil Mickelson, right? Well, they got rid of Phil Mickelson yeah. when they went to the Live Tour. And then they were starring Peyton Manning, who's more non-controversial. Yeah. But in the yeah. Phil Mickelson commercial, remember, Phil Mickelson played a caddy. And he yeah. was work caddying for an actor named Andy Buckley. Andy Buckley played David Wallace on The Office. He was the CEO of Dunder Mifflin on The Office. And I, I was talking to him, uh, our old friend Dan from D.C. from the Jim Rome show. And I said to him, you know, he was making fun of the CEO of Workday who had these weird ass glasses on. Right. Oh, really? When he was being interviewed by yeah, Jim Nance? Getting, getting interviewed. And I was like, they Workday, you know, since, Dave, since Andy Buckley slash David Wallace is on the payroll, they should have sent him up there. You know, a, a, a mockumentary CEO, and and you know, pretended to be the CEO of Workday, and uh, and see how Jack Nicholas and Jim Nance uh, were to react to that. See, seeing an actor rather than the real CEO, that would have been Jack Nicholas probably wouldn't know who he is. So. Jack Nicholas probably wouldn't know. Uh, Barbara, do you know who this man is? Barbara, Barbara, <laughs> Workday. He's well, getting old. Thank you, thank you for helping support our our uh, children's charities. Barbara and I are committed to. I know, isn't that a fun? That was funny, um, and they and and it was great because they did uh, honor Larry like, Nelson, Larry right? Nelson, yeah, he got he got the the uh, memorial honor. He can't get the Ryder Cup captainship. Never got that, even though he served in the military and won two majors. But uh, he got honored. I mean, he got honored. I by know. Larry Nelson and Sandy Lyle, to me, are the two biggest snubs of Ryder of Ryder Cup captainship. Yeah, I took a picture of this Larry of Larry Nelson, like his accomplishments. I mean, what an amazing man! Like the guy, he's good. I, I, what happened? Why did he get snubbed? Two majors, and he and he served his country. What other? I mean, yeah. other than other than than Billy Hurley Jr., what other professional golfer served their country in the last forty years? Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, look look at this guy. 2023 honoree at the Memorial, 41 professional wins, 10 on the PGA Tour, three-time major champion, 2006 World Golf Hall of Fame. Three-time. I didn't know. Three-time. Three-time major champion. Wow. Three-time major. I'll tell you what he won. He won the 1981 and 87 PGA Championship and 1983 U.S. Open. Not bad. Not bad. bad. Three majors. And had a great Ryder Cup record too. One of the one of the best all time U.S. Ryder Cup records too. Great player, yeah. Larry Nelson, known as a as a as a great 
kind of striker of the ball and great putter. Well, anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about the Memorial. That's a, you know what? I love that course. And why do I love that course? Because you're penalized for bad shots. You're rewarded for good yeah. shots and you're penalized for bad shots. That's the way championship golf courses are supposed to be. Yeah. Right. I agree. So it's absolutely hard and it's absolutely gorgeous out there. So I'm watching this tournament on, on Sunday and I have to say, you know, I'm a DC guy and I have a soft spot in my heart for DC, for DC guys. And here's Denny McCarthy, Denny McCarthy, and university of Virginia guy, and also a UVA guy where I went to med school and did my residency. So Denny McCarthy grew up in Rockville. He is apparently a really good basketball player. Cause I saw he, he won, they had some sort of golf, uh, golfers three point shooting contest and he won easily. He was fantastic. Uh, Lucky Dustin Johnson was in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, he can just dunk. Um, but Denny McCarthy plays well on Saturday. What did he shoot on, on Saturday? He got himself in good contention, shot a 68, you know, four under par 68, 71, 72, 68. And he's in what the second, second or third to last group. And he is playing great, right? Denny McCarthy's claim to fame is he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. And he is, he makes a whole bunch of putts. He's just playing, you know, fairways and greens, fairways and greens, making some putts. And then towards the end of the round, he gets, he gets a two-shot lead. And it's not so much that he's playing great at this point. It's that the guys around him are falling. Um, the, the, the guys who were in contention, Rory McIlroy, was not good on Sunday. Uh, Ricky Fowler got it up to to five or six under par and then pulled back. Jordan Spieth wound up shooting shooting seventy one. Siwoo Kim, bogey, bogey, birdie, 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 bogey, bogey, birdie, birdie, bogey. The, David Lipsky, I don't know what happened David, to him. I mean, David, he just disappeared. Seventy seven. Uh, seventy fell apart like a cheap suit. Yep, seventy seven on Sunday. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama. 72, 75, uh, 65, and then 75, 76 on the weekend. And you know, hey. there, there was Scotty Scheffler who putted well on Sunday. He didn't putt well the rest of the week. And so he shot 74, 73, made the cut on the number, and then 68, 67 on the weekend to finish solo third. But here's Denny McCarthy with a two-shot lead. And Victor Hovland was having one of these up and down and up and down and up and down days. Victor Hovland, two shots behind, comes to the 17th and knocks in a bomb, like a 35-foot putt to get within one. So now- the only got to make birdie on 17 only, yesterday. Only birdie on 17. That's uh, the, the Memorial course is famous for 16, 17, and 18 being the one of the hardest, probably the hardest closing stretch on the PGA Tour. So Denny McCarthy has never won on the PGA Tour. He comes to 18. If he had had a two-shot lead, he probably just, you know, hits a three wood off, you know, three wood off the tee down the middle, hits a long iron up to up around the green. And if he gets a bogey, he gets a bogey. He comes in needing a par to win the tournament. And I think the nerves got to him is a duck yeah. hook, right? Duck hook. And he can't get it to the green. He has to basically just lay up. It's yeah. a decent third shot, but you know, he's got about a 10, 12 foot putt for par and he hits a good putt. Uh, yeah, he does. And he's a good putter. He's, so. uh, you know, he had, he had hit, he had, had been scrambling on 16 and 17. He had hit like, like seven, eight foot putts for par on both 16 and 17. And on 18, he has a little longer putt and he doesn't make it. So they goes to a playoff with, with Victor Hovland. They're both uh, wayward off the tee, 
but Hovland's a kind of a stronger guy and, and Hovland gets it, you know, just over the green, great, uh, great chip and an easy, an easy par. Uh, Denny McCarthy compensates for his hook, slices it, gets it. What was he like a, a, a yard away from, from an amazing shot. And it just yeah. didn't get up a hill, goes down a false front and you just see it trundling, trundling, trundling down to about, you know, 40, 40 yards short of the green. He basically hits the ball the same spot he hit it in regulation and has another 10 foot putt that he just, hey, these are good putts that he misses. They're, you know, but they're, you know, 10, 12 foot putts. So Victor Hovland, wow. Victor Hovland wins the tournament. Victor Hovland. I mean, what a good win for Victor Hovland. I mean, it shows this tournament, these, these guys, you just stick around the lead on the tough day when you got a guys that did McCarthy and they haven't won. They've been close on the precipice of winning, but what happens when you stick around and these good players make birdies, bombs in, uh, uh, trying to get closer to the lead and guys can feel that pressure. I mean, that he must have been breathing really. I mean, no, it's been a tough shot at the 18. At the 18 uh, I mean, he stayed at that ball all day in the middle of the fairway, right, Rich? That's he right. did great drives all day. Great he gets up there, day. almost double crosses himself, and he got lucky. On one drive, he got lucky. You remember that one? He hit it. And it was in regulation. He hit it left, and it kicked right up to the fairway, yep. which is weird. Yeah, but yeah, it was tough. And the course is so hard. If you haven't won out there and haven't been in contention, man, I think it's hard. I mean, like Victor Hobble has been right on the, he's been so close to winning a lot this year and he played well in the major. So good, good win for Victor Hobble. But did you see the type of guy Victor Hobble is? Uh, yes, I did see what kind of guy Victor Hovland is, but, but go ahead, go ahead and describe it. Cause it's really pretty much, yeah. this is Tony Finau level selflessness, right? It is. And I, I took a picture of it. I was trying to find the picture of Victor Hovland after he wins a big tournament. I mean, one point some million, well, the putt was a $1.42 million putt. Victor Hovland wakes up and he's out there early in the morning caddying for one of his ex-teammates from Oklahoma State to qualify for the U.S. Open. His roommate. How cool it was, is that? It was his roommate at Oklahoma State. It was his roommate. Zach, Zach, I can't remember his last name, but he's probably... I don't know what he's on, but I don't even think the guy's on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he's probably maybe on the Canadian Tour or the or the you know Latin American trying to get on the Corn Ferry Tour. But here he is qualifying for the U.S. Open. He's got Victor Hovland on his back. On his back. Amazing. I mean, Victor, do me a favor. Could you give the guy some money to support him so he can go out and play some uh, some tours? I mean, seriously, you want to carry the guy's bag? I'd be like, hey, you just want a bunch of money. Can you give me a sponsorship for a year? You can help him out a little bit, okay? Well, he probably it? won't help him out. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's the point of golf, right? It's you know, it's yeah. not the live model where it's 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 an individual game where you yeah. you, you eat what you kill. But did you see the story of that kid that went to Georgia Southern, the English British guy that went to Georgia Southern? He's a Brit that went. Oh God, the story is lovely. It broke my heart. He, he's a British guy that went to Georgia Southern. His best friend, they met each other. They were playing the tournament, and they met each other. And all of a sudden, they start, he started teasing the guy about his uh, British accent, and they became best friends. So they both went to Georgia Southern as golfers. The, other, his, the American kid decided to transfer to Georgia after two years, and they just became friends. And he always told his parents, he goes, look, my job, J- I, think, I, forget, I forget the guy, J.J. Grew or something. He says, my job is I'm saving money. He never told his friend J.J., the golfer. He goes, I'm saving money so that I can uh, help JJ get to the PGA tour. So 2020 comes around his friend, he gets a call from one of his wife's friends and says, look, the, the friend just committed suicide. Oh my God. And, and he was like, Oh my God. And it was, they were like dear friends. They text each other, call each other. And he says, 
So he fast forward, he's out there, his wife's going to law school, he takes time off to take raise the two kids, and all of a sudden, uh, I think J.J. Smith or whatever they got, uh, Smith, what, his, Asbury, Sam As, Ashbury, I think. Sam's parents calls uh, J.J. Grew and says, look, we have money for you. And he was like, what? We're going to sponsor you. And the dad was like, we're not sponsoring you. It was Sam's money. He loved, He was saving money just to sponsor you so you can live your life dream. How cool is that? Oh like, my God. What, what? one of your good friends commits suicide, but he leaves his money so he can help you get to where you want to go. So it was really a cool story. Wow. That oh is, man, what a is, sad story. A and the guy makes it, he makes it to the USO, he makes it to the US Open. After oh, being on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, he makes it to the US Open. Isn't that amazing? Well, I hope, so he, cool. I hope he does make it to the PGA Tour. I hope so as well. Well, just looking at the DP uh, Championship, this Porsche European Open was in Hamburg. Uh, we already said it was won by Tom McKibben over uh, Marcel Seam and, and Julian Garrier, a Frenchman, Maximilian Kiefer, another German. And as you said, I, I looked down for people who are even in Ryder Cup consideration. The first name I see is Jordan Smith, tied sixth. Uh, Robert McIntyre, tied 14th. And, you know, there aren't a lot of guys, uh, you know, of the top guys. I mean, I think I saw uh, uh, one of the Molinaris there, Rafa Cabrera Bello, who's, who's kind of out of the picture, Thorbjorn Olesen, out of the picture, uh, Jorge Campillo, who's played well this year, way down, way down. Rasmus Hoygaard didn't have a good week, tied 59th. Just, you know, but, but kind of the, the uh, and Yannick Paul didn't have a good week either. He was tied 66, but uh, just, uh, you know, not, not a great roster for a DP world tour event. They really have got to figure out a way to get a more consistent, you know, roster of guys playing in these events. It's sad. I, I agree. They've got to change it up. I don't know what they're going to end up doing. I mean, but Rich, this is bad. Yeah. It's awful. And, and I mean, the European, I love golf. I love golf and I can look at it, but most people can't look at that. They yeah, can't. I mean, I want to see, I, you know, I want to turn in in the morning, you know, on Sunday morning before I go play tennis or on Saturday morning. And I want to see, you know, Shane Lowry playing every once in a while. I want to see, um, I don't know. Well, I want to see the Hoy guards in contention. I want to see, you know, some of these other guys, uh, Adrian Moronk wasn't playing this week, you know, guys who, uh, Victor Perez, uh, but they're, they're just not always there. Well, I would like to think that the Hogarth got boys are coming to, over here to qualify for the U S open, right? Well, Nikolai played this week. Uh, Rasmus, he played this Ras week. Okay. Rasmus was, uh, Rasmus was in, uh, Germany, but Nikolai, I can't remember if he made the cut and just finished way back or didn't make the cut, but he, he was, uh, he was in Dublin. Okay. Well, I would have hoped that, you know, are, 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 why aren't they trying to qualify for the U.S. Open? I, I don't know. Rasmus might be in it already. I mean, he may be top 50 okay. in the world. Uh, Nick, mean, Nikolai, you think the brother would come over here and qualify, right? Nikolai seems more interested in playing in the U.S. Didn't he? He got temporary status from finishing well yeah. in, in one of the tournaments. Uh, That's right. We didn't, we didn't mention it, but, but, uh, uh, one thing that that might have a bearing on the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup in terms of the other top players uh, in Ohio was Colin Markawa was was only four shots off the lead coming into Sunday. He was four under par. Uh, 
Denny McCarthy was five under par, and I think Victor Hovland was either four or five under par coming into Sunday. And Colin Markawa withdrew with back issues. So that's something to watch. I mean, oh, we, already, we already have Will Zalatoris not playing for the U.S. Uh, because of back surgery. So we'll have to watch uh, Colin. Did he, did he, uh, did he uh, pull himself out because he's golfing was going down the tubes or was no, he, he just played well. he, he I think he shot four under par on, on Saturday. He played well. No, he's just said during warm up he, he felt back spasms and couldn't go. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah. the Champions Tour was in Des Moines, Iowa at the Wakanda Club. Now, I, I didn't watch. I watched a little bit of this. though. You, you know, Wakanda is the fictional country where yeah. Black, Black Panther comes from. I wonder. That's right. I wonder if I wonder if Stan Lee, when he made up uh, the, the fictional country of Wakanda for Black for Black Panther, had played golf in Des Moines, Iowa. At the maybe Wak he had at the Wakanda Club. I, it's, I, it must I'll, be. Uh, I'll tell you one thing: that's not the Wakanda Club. Oh, that's, that's probably not. <laughs> Prob <Thanks>. Probably not. <laughs> well, Iowa. Yeah. I know Iowa. I, I know Midwest Midwestern places. They're not so racist. The Midwesterners are less racist than. That's, yeah. If the Wakanda Club was in, uh, let's say, Mississippi? yeah, Mississippi or Georgia, yes, I, I, I think yeah. it's highly ironic. Yeah, um, that's true. But uh, uh, Stephen Ames wins. Stephen Ames wins that's by a, by a shot over Jerry Kelly and Steve Stricker. So yeah. the. Stephen Ames, who plays for Canada and is from Bermuda, uh, wins yeah, over, the, right. over the two Wisconsinites. Uh, and uh, Rod Pampling, Tim Petrovic are fourth. Someone named David Branshaw, I've never heard of. Uh, Steve Flesh, Miguel Angel Jimenez are sixth. And Ernie Els, Jason Schultz, Lumpy Heron, and uh, Brett Quigley, Kevin Sutherland, and Marco Dawson all time tied ninth. Yeah. Who's fatter? Amazing. Who's fatter right now, Colin Montgomery or Lumpy Heron or John Daly? Uh, Tim Heron's getting up there. He's I'm a, surprised he could still hit a ball. He's a big man. He's a big not, man. Not in a good way. Yeah. How many times did Tim Heron went on the PGA tour? A few times. A few times. Yeah. Yeah. Quad City Open or something like that, Quad or is that Jerry Kelly? I think the year that I took my kids to uh, to Tulsa, I think I think we got a I think we got an autograph of Tim Heron. Oh, really? I Did you so. save it? Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Probably not. We, where did we have those autographs? Was it? I think it might have been on one of those flag things, but I don't think oh, we saved okay. it. I don't think we saved it. The only one I have, important. the only flag thing that I know where it is 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 my Phil Mickelson signed flag, and that's not hanging up right now. Yeah. You never got a Tiger Woods sign, never, huh? Never. Tiger wasn't wasn't out there on the putting green signing signing autographs in Tulsa. He was afraid everyone's going to sell it in two thousand eight. You know? Yeah, I think I think it was like Lumpy Heron, and I know I, I remember I got JJ Henry. Oh boy. Okay. JJ Henry. Where's JJ Henry? Uh, Waiting not, for the senior tour. I don't think he's old enough yet. Wow. All right. Let's let's before before we get into Ryder Cup stuff. So. Are you old enough? You're a few years younger than me. Do you remember the hysteria around Nancy Lopez when she was a rookie on the PGA oh, yeah. on the LPGA tour? So Nancy, oh, yeah. Nancy Lopez was young. She was cute. She was Hispanic, which was an unusual thing at that time on, on professional golf tours. Yeah. And she was, she took the LPGA tour by storm and became a national figure. Most ladies golfers, you know, who aren't named Michelle Wee are not national figures. 
you know, I, I don't think. Well, why does Michelle Wee get to host this tournament? What what's she done to host the tournament? I have no She's idea. won like one major. I have no idea. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I don't think most people could even pick Lexi Thompson out of, out of a lineup, right? Yeah, that's or true. Or Jessica Corda. Nelly Corda, maybe, right? Maybe, right? Well, they'd pick her, they'd pick her hoping that, that the lineup was for something else. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. But it's not like Nelly Corda, who's been number one in the world, is a national figure the way that, say, MB Park or, or uh, yep. Minji Lee are in their countries. Or, you know, they're not, they, they never reached Lorena Ochoa or Annika Sorenstam levels. The only, the yeah. only American golfers, you know, since the old, old days, the Pat Bradley days that, you know, kind of are super, have been Julie super, Inkster. Super, Julie Inkster have been, have been Nancy Lopez and Michelle Wee and Dottie Pepper and Michelle Wee's case, a lot of it was on potential, right? She didn't really yeah. produce like a superstar on the LBGA no. tour. I mean, she had a disappointing career, actually. I mean, wouldn't you say by her, yeah. you know, she was she was supposed to win everything out there. She only won one major. Yeah, won. not that many tournaments and not she, too many wins out there, right? She seemed to be injured all the time, too. She seemed to be she was yeah. she was fra- she's she's kind of the women's golf version of of my man Steven Strasburg. You know, they're Ferrari. Yeah. They're Ferrari. Oh man. His career's over. He's not coming back. His He's career's over, back. right? Severe nerve damage. Oh my God! What happened? How did Steve? What? I mean, that's another story. Thoracic, wow, thora- like thoracic outlet syndrome. It's the it's the pitcher. Is it rare? Yeah, yeah. Oh man! I was in a, I was wow. in a trial once, Stacy. I was I was defense witness for a trial where somebody this this person I can't remember if it's a man or a woman. This person had had claimed that they developed thoracic outlet syndrome lifting up a lever. They worked on the railroad lifting up a lever, and they claimed it. And I and I was in this trial. And I, and I and I remember the trial because because uh, Oregon former Oregon quarterback Joey Harrington was in the jury who I knew, right? I knew him through through our friend Blads uh, and Brian Greenleaf. But anyway, they're trying to claim this, and 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 I said, you know, I said, ask me about thoracic outlet syndrome, and they said, well, who who gets thoracic outlet syndrome? And I said, well, you can get it if you have an extra rib in your in your body. That's true, but people who get it from trauma are generally baseball pitchers who throw a baseball 95 miles an hour, literally tens of thousands of times over their lifetime. Not people who lift up a lever one time working for the railroad and then, you know, do the Fred Sanford, you know, it it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I think we won, I think we won the trial. That's amazing. So I didn't realize you can get that by being like most baseball pitchers get that really. Well, not most it's, it's few, but a few, um, a few, few, it's not common. But it's an injury that okay. that that will often kill your career. Uh, so oh, uh, Matt Matt Matt, Har- Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight from the from Matt the Harvey Mets. had that. He had it. That's that's Matt why, Harvey, the UNC guy, right? That's why his career went downhill. Uh, Matt Harvey wow. and Will Harris, who pitched for the Astros and the Nats in the World Series, he's his career ended because of that. Um, so uh, Steven Strasburg, wow. I think his career is going to end because of thoracic outlet syndrome as well. But Michelle, oh, that, that, I, I think of, of Michelle Wee like Steven Strasburg. They both have that tall, very athletic body, but they're kind of like Ferraris. You know, they're great when yeah. they're going when they're going uh, all guns, but they, they they break down very easily. Well, my man Steven Strasburg, first player to ever be picked first out of uh, San Diego State, right? First player in the draft, right? Out of San Diego State, World Series San MVP and. 2019, uh, as, as he was uh, in his uh, playoff career, 
uh, ERA and his playoff career of 1.54, whip under one, World Series MVP, very clutch guy, but was never the same. Now, don't cry for him. He signed a seven-year, $254 million contract, and he's well, pitched like seven times in four years since then. So, but Well, it's, I it's, tell you what, I'm sure he had a big Lloyds of London uh, policy. I'm sure they no, have to get they didn't. The, the Nationals, their owners are cheap. So I, I bet their, their owners didn't get a policy on them. So they're going to have to pay him the whole thing. Oh, wow. Well, just, wow, they can make him do something to scout or do something in the front office, work that money off. Yeah. Man. Be a pitching coach. Show him how, yeah, not, coach. how not to pitch. How not, yeah, how, he'll how throw it 100 miles. Different delivery. Yeah. Well, and he's just, been throwing 100 miles an hour since a young kid, too, that since, guy, man. Since he's a young kid. So just very quickly, yeah. Rose Zhang wins over Jennifer Cupcho, another yeah. – one-time prodigy, and uh, third place is Hairan Ryo. Uh, fourth place, uh, the Indian girl who's been really good this year, Adi Ashuk, with Ayaka Furi, uh, Unhee Ji from Korea, and uh, seventh place, Leona Maguire, the Irish woman, with Ashley Buhai from South Africa, and Yuka Sasso. Uh, another, another Japanese. And Daniel King finished uh, five under too. Daniel King's a notable for the American. But I tell you, this Rose, I mean, we talked about Rose last week. I mean, she's won everything. I mean, she's like a who's, I mean, this girl has won everything. And I, you know what, Rich, I think that is going to be the difference between uh, like someone like Rose and maybe what the uh, Jessica Corda, right? It gets out there young. Rose has played a lot of big tournaments. Two-time NCAA championship. All those uh, junior amateurs, she's won, uh, she won the big tournament just a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah, a couple months ago, right? Augusta. The one, uh, the, yeah, the Augusta. Augusta. She won that one. But, you know, just amazing. Like, amazing, amazing young amateur career. And I think that helps someone like Rose Zane, who's already good, but she got a lot of time to get her chops going out there. And I think she's good. I mean, she's a good player. I think she's going to win a lot. Well, they, they I talk, think those girls should all be sad, yeah. They talked about how she had to get on the tour to be eligible for the Solheim Cup. And now that she's won this tournament, she didn't get Solheim Cup points for this tournament because she wasn't a member of the tour, but she yep. immediately becomes a, a tour member and she'll get Solheim Cup points the rest of the year. But even if she doesn't make it on points, she's going to get a captain's pick now. Why she's going to get a yeah. Why, why yeah. wouldn't they? If, if the, if, I don't know who the captain is, but if they don't pick her, uh, it, it, people, people are going to uh, rain, rain hell down upon her. Because the, the yeah, people want to see her. I think, you know, Rose Zhang has, has the potential to, you know, turn a lot more eyeballs to the LPGA Tour. I think so. Too. I think so. Young girls, international. Uh, yeah, the American girls really look up to her. I mean, just the girls she was playing with in the tournament because they had AGGA juniors. They had a lot of folks. That, they were playing. Those girls really, really, really love Rose Zhang. So, and she's good. They say she's the sweetest person. And she just looks like kind. And that's a good caddy, too. We talked about the caddy. She picked up uh, Minji Lee's caddy. And this guy's won, like, four majors. He's been on wonder, four bags. So, I wonder how, why Minji yeah. Lee uh, let, let him leave. I wonder. I know, yeah, I wonder why. wonder why. And maybe he was like, I just want to go. Maybe he's like, I need to get out of here. I want to go. I want to go play. I want to go on a big, better bag. I don't know. But that's, yeah. wow. How Minji would you let her leave? There aren't very many better bags than Minji Lee. I mean. I, I know. I don't get it. I mean, she's amazing. All right. Well, here's your Ryder Cup standings as of the end of this weekend on the U.S. side. So remember, on the U.S. side, our top six get in automatically, and there's a change. So Jordan Spieth 
had a top 10 finish at the Memorial, and he now moves into the top six. So Scotty Scheffler stays way, way, way ahead. Brooks Kepka holds on in second. Max Homa in third. Xander Shoffley in fourth. Jordan Spieth moves from seventh to fifth. And Patrick Cantley moves are down from fifth to sixth. Cameron Young, who's not been playing well, is now out of that top six. He's in seventh. Sam Burns, eighth. Colin Morikawa, ninth. We'll see what his injury is. Wyndham Clark played really well this week. He won the last yeah. elevated event, and he finished top top five, I think, in this event. Wyndham Clark moves up another three spots. He is he is right now in tenth position. Uh, wow. He is ahead of Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas missed the cut, and he's down all the way in eleventh position. He's not even in the top ten in the world. Is he even in the top twenty in the world, Justin Thomas? I think he's still top twenty in the world, but he's fading. Uh, wow. Kurt Kitayama stays in that 12th position. Will Zalatoris finally moves out of the top 12. He's 13th. And Denny McCarthy up eight spots to number 14, going wow. ahead of Tony Finau, who's 15th, followed by Harris English, Christian, uh, Chris Kirk, Keegan Bradley, Sagith Tagala, Ricky Fowler's in 20th. He moved up one, Tom Hoagie and Taylor Moore. So that's where the U.S. standings are. I'll ask you about that in a second. The European standings did not change very much. And in fact, the top 12 didn't change at all. John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, uh, Victor Perez, and Adrian Moronk on European points. And then on world points, Victor Hovland firmly the next uh, on European points. Terrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Tommy Fleetwood. That's a pretty good first eight. And then Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Sepp Straka moves up uh, with a good finish in this tournament, and Seamus Power. Those are your top 12. Then out of the top 12, you have Adrian uh, Otegwe, uh, Alex Noren, Thomas Dietrich, Robert McIntyre, Yannick Paul, Pablo Larazabal, Danny Willett, Rosman Ho Rosmus Hoygaard. I think right now, if you said to Luke Donald, you know, do you want to take the top 12 in the standings, cut it off at Seamus Power between Seamus Power and Adrian uh, Otegwe, he'd say, hell yeah, give it to me. I'll take that 12 right I, now. I think so, right? So on the U.S. side, all right, you are Zach Johnson, and you, you know, let's just assume you're going to take Justin Thomas and Colin Markawa is healthy. So you come down to uh, your final couple spots. So you have, you have four spots, or excuse me, two spots. You have Wyndham Clark, Kurt Kitayama, Denny McCarthy, Tony Finau, Harris English, Chris Kirk, and Keegan Bradley, and Sagit Tagala. Those, those are your guys. Well, let's put Ricky Fowler. We'll go to 20. Those are your guys. Two spots. Wyndham Clark, Kirk Kitayama, Denny McCarthy, Tony Finau, Harris English, Chris Kirk, Keegan Bradley, Sagith Tagala, Ricky Fowler. Who are you taking? Who are your two? I'm going to take uh, Kirk Kitayama, playing well. He's, he's a grinder. And then I'm going to take Denny McCarthy. I mean, Tony Finau, he, he, he legit. No, I would take Finau. I would take Kitty Almond Finau. I, I'd take Finau too. And I'd probably take Wyndham Clark at this point. I mean, the guy is hot. And, yeah. you know, he, well. he just won. He won. He won. He won the Palmer. He won. I think he did. Yeah. He won. Yeah. He won an elevated event. And now he comes to this elevated event and finishes, what, fourth? 
I, I might yeah. I might take Wyndham Clark. He's a good all around player. But if Denny McCarthy gets close, I, I mean Denny McCarthy did not hit the ball great coming down the stretch. Showed his nerves on, but his putter he did not show nerves. He on sixteen and seventeen he hit eight foot putts. I'm not so sure you don't want Denny McCarthy taking a clutch putt in the Ryder. I agree because his. I mean, I'd much rather have him take a clutch putt than Tony Finau. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Finau. I don't want taking a clutch putt. No, I mean, but you look at this, uh, uh, Rich. You look at the world rankings, right? I mean. Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantley, Victor Hovland moves up to one spot. Xander Shoffley moves down to six. Seven, Max Homa, down one spot. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Cameron Smith, Jordan Speed, Will Zalatoris, Tony Fina, Brooks Kepka, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, number 15. Ty Hatton, Cameron Young, Colomar Akawa down to 18 in the world. Sanjay M, 19. Kirk Kitayama, 20. Tom Kim, 21. Uh, Jason Day, 22, and Tommy Fleetwood, 22. And Keegan Bradley, 24, and 25 is Badecki. And Shane Lowry's at 26. Pretty good top 25 in the world, right? Yeah, and uh, it's getting to Igala be a top 20, 27. It's getting to be a top 25 where uh, uh, the Europeans are kind of, you know, it, we, we thought, and it certainly was the case at Whistling Straits, that uh, the Americans really dominated the world rankings, but it's kind of getting not to be that case anymore. Yeah, yeah I agree. And Wyndham Clark's at 32, Russell Henley 31, Kiwoo Kim at 30, uh, 29 is Corey Connors, Justin Rose is at 28, and Sigala is at 27. And then uh, Joaquin Neiman's at 34. Seth Straka, though, 28, uh, 30, Seth Straka, 33. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, Let's, uh, the time we have left, Stacy. Yeah, where's the PGA? To, it's, it's, it's two weeks from, Canada. At, at the Canadian Open. Rory's going to be the defending champion there. Uh, that's a lot of golf he's going to be playing because the U.S. Open's the week after. I know. I know. I, I'm feeling for that, brother. All right. I know. So, so next week, Rich, I'm going to be on vacation. So you might have to handle it on your own, Ooh, if you don't mind. Maybe I will call uh, Bill Davinsky. And see if he will. Yeah, call Bill. And see if he will. He will guess shot for for you. David Rich, I know you've been following. One before we go, one story. I, it just it, it's an amazing story. Uh, I got to find this. Oh, by the way, congratulations uh, to Charlie Wood who wins uh, HG HJGT Major Championship course. Charlie Wood shoots one under to win the tournament. Good job. Good job. But I got—I got to mention this story. I know you know this story because you're such a baseball uh, fan. But you can maybe tell them. I think this is a guy. I like comeback stories. And let me find it. This guy John, is an amazing John, John comeback. Singleton. Story. John Singleton. John Singleton. Okay, I know what a lot an amazing about, story. I know a lot about John Singleton. So John Singleton was traded from Philadelphia to Houston years ago as as a prospect when Houston was going through kind of the sell off that led to all the high draft picks that led to Houston being a dynasty. And John Singleton, I, I think, I, I can't remember if it was the, it, it was either the uh, Hunter Pence trade or the Roy Oswalt trade. Houston traded okay. both Hunter Pence and Roy Oswalt at times to Philadelphia for prospects. And one of those trades was for John Singleton. And he came up as a first baseman with power, uh, who hit for average and power in the minor leagues, and was actually one of these guys who was given like a, you know, an eight-year 
$24 million contract before he even made it yeah. to the major leagues based on his potential. But he was addicted to marijuana and wow. he wound up getting, you know, poor performance, getting released and just kind of wandered for many, many years. And yeah, he's 31 years old now and he just got That's called cool. up to the major leagues again. Yeah. Plan for the Brewers. Isn't it amazing? That's a great story. Man, addiction is an issue out here, people. But I tell you, what a good comeback story. I thought that was a beautiful story. And I figured you'd know about him because you're a Houston Astros fan. So, yeah, what a great story. Phillies and an Astros fan. So, yeah, I know. And, and an Astros, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's do a little bit of, of, of live talk here. Um, I tell you what, Twitter this weekend, I, I mean, especially the people on live going after Rory McIlroy, it's gotten awful. It's gotten personal. So it's also gotten personal between Phil Mickelson and Brandel Chambly and Eamon Lynch and Phil Mickelson. So Eamon Lynch wrote on June 2nd an article entitled, Phil Mickelson's Twitter bluster can't distract from his reality as a shameless pawn for murderers. And he, he starts out, he goes, a half century ago, uh, novelist Mario Puzo imagined a character not unlike present-day Phil Mickelson, a once-loyal soldier who fancies himself the smartest guy in the room, but who, feeling underappreciated and shortchanged, comes undone in a bumbling effort to help hostile forces muscle in on the family business. He's he's comparing Phil to Fredo from The Godfather. Wow. Uh, he says he you know he talks about how phil mickelson 15 months ago said about the saudis we know they killed jamal khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights they execute people over there for being gay knowing all this why would i consider it because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the pga tour operates and Eamon lynch goes on and says there's no ambiguity ambiguity in these words and mickelson disputed only whether they were on the record not the substance his ambivalence about the atrocities of the saudi regime Worse, his awareness and casual dismissal of him binds Mickelson to Greg Norman as the Lehman Brothers of moral bankruptcy. Uh, and Mickelson hides behind wow. the false equivalencies and straw man arguments peddled by the drooling dipshits who tweet things like, what about China? Do you put gas in your car? I bet you use Uber. Ignoring individual responsibility and multiple degrees of consumer set separation. Uh, wow. So... At, uh, here's one. The ease with which Mickelson per, uh, pursues social media mortification hints at a man who knows his legacy has been destroyed and perhaps one who will fear, who fears more rough sledding ahead. Billy Walters, he was the guy who was indicted in the uh, insider trading scheme, will publish a tell-all memoir in August, six years after he went to prison. And Walters may prove to be Phil's Mo Green, a Las Vegas entanglement that won't end well. Uh, Mickelson's Twitter tirades don't rank as his most ill-advised misuse of a smartphone, but they cement the perception of a once-beloved and respected star who, like a just-for-men junkie, is vainly trying to recapture what is irrevocably lost. So Phil, this weekend, uh, went after Emin Lynch. He went after Brandel Chambly. Brandel Chambly has offered to, uh, to debate Phil Mickelson in a neutral site. And he said, Phil Mickelson has never responded. Phil Mickelson did respond, called Eamon Lynch and Brandel Chamblay all kinds of names. 
and said, oh yeah, we can do it at the Live Tournament in London. And Brandel Chambly is like, Phil knows that's the week of, I think it was like the LPAG, L LPGA uh, championship. He knows I'm going to be at the LPGA championship. He knows this is, you know, I, I can't do it. I can't be in London that week, but I'll do it anytime, any place, you know, that's mutually convenient. I'll do it anytime. Uh, I will say this weekend, I wrote, you know, some, some kind of, I guess what I would call anti-live tweets. And I got a bunch of, you know, people arguing back at me, these same stupid arguments. You buy gas, the, the, you know, Saudi, Saudi, the Saudis invested in Uber. So why don't you never take Uber? These same tired, stupid arguments. Uber, Uber doesn't decapitate people. Right. Yeah, that's true. Our, you know, they're like your government kills innocent women and children. I'm like, yeah, our government, the U.S. government has made some mistakes. There's no doubt about it. But we are a free yeah. society when, yeah. you know, it, it came to the, you know, it, it reminded me when I saw that Daniel Ellsberg, do you know who Daniel Ellsberg is? He was the guy who leaked the Pentagon Papers explaining why, you know, we got into the Vietnam War mistakenly that there was a bunch of lies to the American people to, to, to explain getting into the Vietnam war. It was okay. really a, the first big whistleblower. And, you know, do, do you think the U S government has gotten off unscathed? Do you think our press hid the fact that, that atrocities were committed in, in Cambodia and Vietnam? No, you know, we have, no. we have a freaking free Absolutely press. Not. They can, they can say Nixon, you're a crook. Similarly, yeah. similarly, you know, the, the weapons of mass destruction uh, that were supposed to be there but weren't in Iraq, you know, once it was discovered that that was a lie, what did our pre free press do? They went after, you know, George W. Bush. They went after yep. Dick Cheney and probably Colin Powell didn't become president because of our free press, because he knew he would get skewered for misinformation leading up to, you know, the, the conflict in Iraq. We have a free press. He would have been a great president. He would have been a great power. president. But nobody at the Washington Post, nobody at the New York Times has ever gotten poisoned or decapitated yeah. or put in jail. You know, I guess the closest you can say is Julian Assange is in is in yeah. jail. Uh, but, you know, we have a free press. Uh, and Larry Elder would be a better president than Colin Powell, just on the record. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I, you know, I just I, look, if, if, it, if, if what the Saudi government does doesn't bother you, say, you know what? It doesn't bother me. They're, they're a sovereign country. They can do what they want. Yeah. And, and if that's yep. your argument, if you don't really care, that's fine. Just say, I don't really care. But don't, I totally agree. But don't, totally equate, agree. don't equate what, you know, a, what a, you know, the U.S. or a European country does in a capitalist economy or, you know, Boeing, I, this person was like, well, Boeing sold airplanes to the Saudi Arabians. Do you want Boeing not to sell airplanes? No, that's a, that's global capitalism. Yeah. Cool. And Boeing's not going to decapitate someone. So, and you know what? The Saudis also put a billion dollars into Lucid, the new the fancy car company, and they're going to lose most of that money because I don't think that thing's going to stay around. So, yeah. No, you're right, Rich. I mean, these guys are making excuses for a government that's, kill, that's there, killing people. And there's a difference between the Saudis investing in Uber. Uber will probably make money, you know, eventually. It's, yeah. you know, probably yeah. make money. The Live Tour 
loses money hand over fist, and there's no end in sight. There's no, there's no sponsorships on the Live Tour. They are losing money hand over fist. It's not. And by the way, I'd rather watch a, good, a show on CW than to watch the Live Tournament. Oh my God, the, the ratings for the Live Tour are so bad. Even after the week after Brooks Kepka wins, wins uh, the PGA, the ratings are so bad they won't publish the ratings. Yeah. So they're, they're embarrassed. Before, so there have been a lot of debate. A lot of debate. Should what circumstances should allow? Oh, and one last thing about. Phil, he came out this week and said, uh, Rory looks tired. He should want to play on the live tour so he doesn't have to play so much, except none of our teams would want to put up with his BS. What an awful thing to say about a, about, yeah. uh, you know, a fellow golfer. I, I don't know that any PGA, I, I, I don't see anything where anything said bad about, about Phil or anybody else as a person. They don't personally. And I don't even know what the BS is. What is he talking about? The BS. The guy is a, he's a statesman for the tour. He's the most, he and just, he's the most honest, self-honest, you know, guy, athlete out there. You know, he doesn't speak in platitudes. He speaks his, he speaks from his heart. Remember after the Ryder he Cup? He does. Remember after the yeah. Ryder Cup? He speaks, the guy speaks from his heart. So, you know, jerk of the week, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Um. You know, you want to. I mean, and this live to a rich, it's a mess. I mean, look, why, hey, let me ask you this. Is that tour so good? Why are they all trying to. Why is Carlos Ortiz uh, trying to qualify for the U.S. Open? That's right. If it's if so they're, if, they're too, if it's so great. Why, why are they all. Why do they bitch about not being in majors and try to qualify for majors if they're so yeah. happy with their decision? Yeah. Why does Brooks Kepka want to just win majors? Because the PGA Tour is the only place on the planet that gives you the opportunity to become the best player in the world to win majors to be like jack to be like tiger to be like uh, arnold that's where you get it you don't get that on live tour you just get a bunch of money by guys who can just put a put a uh, shovel in the ground and oil pops up how many no it's how, not that i i i i tweeted this out over the weekend because somebody's saying all all, all the world cup pl world class players on the live tour so top 20 in the world, real, not now because some of them have lost standing, but the, the guys on the live tour who are true top 20 players in the world right now are Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka, DJ, I'll give DJ, and uh, I think Joaquin Neiman, if he had stayed on the PGA tour, would be in the top 20 in the world. I'll, I'll, give, yep. I'll give Joaquin Neiman. And then guys who... No, Taylor Gooch could probably be in the top 30, right? Well, so, so then I said guys who would probably be in the top 50 in the world right now if they were still playing. And I said Taylor Gooch. Uh, I said Abraham Answer. Yep. Uh, Patrick Reed. I think, you know, you could make an argument for Patrick yeah. and maybe yep. maybe Bryson if he's really free of injuries. He looked pretty good at the PGA. Um, but there aren't... there. The, I, I think I had a couple more, but there aren't there aren't a lot of them. No. It's not very many. There's not not Mito, very Mito, many. I think Mito Pereira. I think you can put Mito Pereira on the list. Uh, but is Thomas Peters a top fifty player in the world? Uh, Jason Kokrak. Oh, I don't uh, think. Yeah, those guys no. are fifty to hundreds. You know, fifty yep. to hundreds. Uh, Louis, yeah, they're like is Louis Oosthuizen. Louis Oosthuizen's done nothing since leaving the. No, he did nothing. He's done. Yeah. Sergio Garcia He's done. Done. You know, Lee Westwood, yep. Paul Casey done. Did yeah. those guys even try to qualify for U.S. Open? I wonder. Sergio did. Lee, Sergio did. Lee Westwood and uh, I don't know about Paul Casey. No, huh? I don't know about those guys. I know Paul Casey got a, got an exemption into the PGA. They gave him an exemption. Oh, they, got, yeah. they don't give exemptions to the uh, 
U.S. Open. You got to win it. Yeah. But I think they gave him an exemption because he was injured last year and he had an exemption, would have had an exemption in last year. But anyway, so so the last question before we go. A, should Brooks Kepka be on the team if he makes it on points? B, if he doesn't make it on points, but is like seventh or eighth, should he be selected by Zach Johnson as a captain's pick? What say you? Okay. So for your second question is no. If he doesn't make it, he should not be selected as a captain's pick. And the first question is, uh, even if he makes it, he should not be picked because for the simple fact, you need to be a member of the PGA Tour. He's not a member of the PGA Tour. So why are we, why are we letting these guys, the rules, we're bending the rules for these folks. They're not members of the PGA Tour, right? They're not members. So no, they, they, they should they, not they, be allowed. They turn their back on the PGA Tour. They knew the MPK. They turn their back. Yeah. Because it, it, that means we're supporting guys who turn their back on the PGA Tour. So the commissioner should come out and say, now, no, we cannot have you select any players who are not members of the PGA Tour. Because if they came back, they would get a suspension. And they've already resigned. So they all resigned from the PGA Tour, right? Yeah. Yeah. So no, they are not. They're not members of the PGA Tour. So you already resigned your post. Even if you qualify, you should, we should say no. We need to set, so make it so they want to come back to be a part of all these things. You get to be a part of like being on the PGA Tour and playing on the PGA Tour and competing against the best player. Well, it's going to be very interesting because I think chances are Brooks Kepka will have the points to make it onto the team. I think it's going to what be do you hard. Think? I think it's going to be hard for. I, I think he definitely shouldn't be a captain's pick. Uh, I would prefer it if they just said the live players are disqualified. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to boycott. We're not going to cancel our trip, but I, I, I would I would prefer the U.S. to lose without the live players than to win because of the live players. How about that? And yeah. and all of us who are U.S. American golf fans and Ryder Cup fans desperately want to see the U.S. win on foreign soil since it hasn't happened since yeah. since we were yeah. we well not we but since we were we were much 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 younger. And and well, they will not have Michelob there, right? Ultra. Michelob, oh, who's their new Michelob Ultra has a new oh Jimmy Butler's the new Michelob Ultra guy. Oh, Jimmy Butler, There's Jimmy there. Buckets, playoff Jimmy is the new Michelob Jimmy Ultra Bob. guy, and yeah, something tells me he's not joining the Live Tour. Yeah, he's not. Okay, well, good. All right, well, good. Uh, we'll right. Ne- next week I'll be back, and uh, I, I will I will reach out to uh, to Bill Davinsky or maybe yeah. my friend John Tui, and and uh, and maybe I'll reach yeah. out to both of them and try to get try to get a. Uh, yeah, get some U.S. Open pick. WHR, uh, try to get a WHRB, which is Harvard Radio. Uh, yeah, I love it. I, I love I'm, it. I'm going to do that. Anyway, uh, okay. I'm going to take us out. And I'll send you my picks. I'll text you my picks next you week, take, okay? Where, where and you, you can announce them on. Where are you going to be on vacation? I'm going. I'm flying into Dulles. I'm going to spend like three days with my brother. My my two nephews are home. One's home from uh, Virginia Tech, and the other one's working now. And I'm going to uh, drive down on Monday. Uh, the, the following Monday, I think Monday the 10th, 11th, drive down to my dad's house in my old town of Rocky Mount. I haven't been back in eight years. Got to go golf with my dad. We're golfing like a couple places. Then we're going to drive with my, take my uncle and Raleigh, take him, my mom's brother. He's 86. And my dad and I are going to take him out to, um, to lunch. Then my dad, we are going to go down to Pinehurst to spend a night and we're going to try to play a course down in Pinehurst. I'm trying to get us on one of the courses. So right. I got to figure it out. Well, you're going to have to tell everybody how that goes. That sounds great. Well, I will. I'm gonna I take, will. I'm gonna take us out in honor of the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers. 
with a uh, a song by the great Randy Newman entitled, very simply, Miami. All right. So you know Randy Newman, Stacy is I Love LA is played at every Lakers game, even though that's a satirical song. I don't think I don't think uh, the Miami Heat play Miami by Randy Newman at every at every Heat game, considering his lyric are best drug, best dope in the world, and it's free. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good song. Oh! 